Hello and welcome to the Win Win Effect podcast with your host, Chris Ross. This is the show for anyone that wants to drive productivity and maximize potential in any industry. Let's take a moment. Have you ever wondered about the psychology behind the persuasive marketing driving you to take action, sometimes on products you never thought people would buy? Well, that's just what makes this podcast stand out from the others. On these episodes, Chris will break down proven strategies that his companies use to respectably enroll prospective students into the correct programs to achieve overall business success and fulfillment in life. You will get a rare centralized look into both sides of the buyer-seller relationships that I'm sure anyone tuning in will receive massive value from to implement instantly. There are huge quantities of informational material from companies just trying to sell products, but not many giving you the right information on how to build companies from solid foundations, focusing on customers actually winning as the outcome. The Win-Win Effect podcast is a character-based code for human interaction and collaboration in business. Time is the only non-renewable resource in life. So with this podcast, the outcome is designed to bring you value to make it worth your time. Happy Money Monday, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Win Win Effect podcast. This is Chris Ross. To catch everyone back up to speed, in our last episode, myself and West Bays gave everybody a little head start to achieve better results with an introduction of aligning questioning to make more of an impact with your prospective buyers. We couldn't pick a better time to kick off the new year and a new decade by exposing what it takes to do what's best on both sides of a buyer-seller relationship. As a seller, it's important for you to understand, with every question that you ask a prospective buyer, you will trigger a positive, negative, or a neutral emotion with your prospective buyer. Myself and West Bay's uncovered how important it is to manage those emotions and cultivating a business relationship. For today's episode, we will pick up our conversation right where we left off. Wes and I are discussing how to execute with the right expectations and how to adapt in any situation. The key to this transition is aligning your questioning to achieve the desired outcome you set out for your prospective buyer. And why is this important for you to listen all the way to the end? Because for most salespeople, this is where they ask questions and they put themselves in an uncomfortable situation they don't know how to get themselves out of. Before we kick this up a couple notches and dive right in, take the time and click on the link in the description box where you will find show notes and any kind of offers that we mentioned in today's episode. Just to let you know, anything that we offer will be free and no charge to you. This is our way of showing our appreciation to everyone out there that tunes in for our podcast. All right, is everyone ready? Let's dive right in. I mean, that's that's really caring about, one, the expectation of the client, but also how they view you as well and what kind of experience that they have. You know, focusing on their experience is always going to take you much further, mm. right? And, and, that, and because of the fact that you focus so hard on that, leads you to be able to know what that client needs and read them on not just a logical level, but an emotional level so that you can help them be able to go through that process with you and still achieve a great outcome, but also be feel really, really good about it. But setting expectations is important because that's your opportunity as a salesperson to set up how they work with you 
and what you need to do. And this is where my standards come in as a salesperson. Can you walk them through and give them some advice on how to set the right expectations to even move on to the framework of questions? Yeah, absolutely. The The first thing that you really want to look for is what kind of person are you dealing with? Because how you set that expectation really matters on how that person is going to perceive it. All right, so, and you got to look, you know, if, if are you going to potentially say something through your expectation that might even offend them or show them that maybe you're not competent in what you're doing? So there's some people who, just depending on the kind of person that they are, I might even say something along the lines of, hey, John, I can sit here and talk to you all day about what I can do for you. But I got to tell you, none of that matters right now. What really matters is that we achieve the exact outcome that you're looking for, because that's why I'm here. And so for for us to be able to do that, what I need from you today and, and what my expectations are is that you're going to be fully transparent with me so that we can work together to, to get to that outcome. The other thing, too, is that I really want to be able to manage your expectations and be able to complete that on this call. So what what is it that you are looking for from me? What would an ideal outcome look for you on this call today? You know, and I'm going to go about it that way. Some people, I can't be as, as straightforward, right? You have to kind of take it easier, ease them into it or position it uh, first. So you really have to judge your buyer. Yeah, and I think that you judge them well. I mean, it gives you an opportunity to have a baseline. Right. You see what I'm saying? And a foundation. What you're trying to do is just like when you're building a house or anything for that matter, you need to build it on a solid foundation and building any relationship based off of trust. That's the first thing. When trust goes, that's it. It's over. Wrap. Finito. You don't need to establish, okay, what are your expectations? What do you want to accomplish? Do you have any expectations for this meeting particularly? I know that you probably have a lot of questions and we'll get to that when the timing's right. I would like to take this time to discuss some things that are making or deal breakers for myself. And that's when I start leaning in and building on that foundation of my positioning as a you know consultant or a trusted advisor or whatever I am at that time. Because that's when they start viewing me as, a, as the tool. This guy knows something that I don't know. I'm more inclined to listening now. That's how, you t- that's how I take control. And it sounds like from Wes that he does something very similar. We're very, we have a lot of similar parallels, but we're completely different styles. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying, Wes? I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would. For, for me, what I'm always looking for is what does that client need f- to hear from me in order for them to, to, to open their minds up to be able to actually have a real conversation with me? Because mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm not looking for, I don't want to be on opposite sides of the client. That's my main goal is I don't want to be you know, saying something to you so you say something back. I want us working together. Right. That's my main outcome that, that I'm ultimately looking for. So I'm going re- to read it based off of that person and what type of person that they are. If, they're, you know, if I need to position myself higher, Right from the beginning. I mean, you're always going to position yourself higher, but with some people, you need to do it even more. And I might even say something along the lines of, uh, you know, John, my company has followed a very specific process and formula that has worked for companies like yourself to take them to the next level. What makes it unique is that we customize it specifically to exactly what's holding you back currently. And we'll, we're going to adjust and we're going to actually fix those problems first and then take you to the next to that next level. Now, based off of that, I have some expectations and I'm going to go into it again, right? So I'm always going to look at what does that person need? Do I need to build up more credibility? Then I'm going to do that. I'm just plugging holes like we talked about before. I'm going to plug the holes of what that person needs just for them to listen to me and look at me as somebody who can be on their side as their partner. And having them viewing you as a person on their side is paramount. Think about what the buyer is going through right now for a second. If you don't handle it that way, 
and they don't start viewing you as a person of influence or a person that can help them and develop that value and mutual trust and developing on a rapport level, if they don't start seeing you that way from the beginning, they're always going to be sitting back in the back of their mind and waiting for you to pitch them. They're going to wait for it. Guys, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't give a shit who the person is and what personality, whatever business that you own or, or work for or whatever. They don't request information or they don't walk inside of a door of a business not trying to spend money. They will spend the money if you provide value. Start thinking about in your own mind, if you're listening to this, how do you frame your questions strategically? There's two different types, in my opinion. I mean, for instance, starting an interview with, please describe your current situation that brings you to me. You know, I'm like, okay, so you're, you're bankrupt. That has two different impacts. You know what I mean? So what do I go from there? I don't want to pigeonhole myself. I just pigeonholed myself, Wes. Right. I can't ask those types of questions. If you ask those types of questions, you're going to put yourself in a binding situation where one of you needs to speak more now. I lost control. I don't know where to drive the conversation. The best way of doing it is doing it more open-ended and then doing... I like to use a lot of funnel questioning with this. And I don't know if people actually know what that is. I learned this from just kind of observing lawyers. They're not going to really going to ask a lot of open-ended questions, get them talking forever. Right? They're going to use a lot of closed-ended questions that lead into an open-ended answer. And I'll, I'll make an example. How many people in your family are you financially responsible for, Wes? And you, you can answer is fine. Uh, three. Three. Who are those three people? Uh, my... Uh, my daughter, parents. <laughs> I know this is a little bit more difficult because we didn't plan this. Right. And we're not in that type of situation. But what I'm trying to do is force you to give me a one word answer. So you answered three people. Yes. Okay, Wes. Well, those three people that you just mentioned to me that you're financially supporting, will any one of those people that you just mentioned help you make any decisions with myself moving forward? No, I mean, I... This, this is usually something that I, I'll do on my own. Um, I don't really need anybody else for it. Why do you think that is that you don't feel like you need their input? See how I'm going there? Yeah, exactly. See how I started with this, started with those close-ended questions and then led you to me getting an open-ended answer I was looking for? Guys, you got to take a couple punches to get in there. Do you see what I'm saying? I, I use it's you know you can call it filling questions, you can call them funneling questions, but it's going to lead me to a specific outcome that I'm looking for asked you that question, but would I have the same impact, do you think? No. I mean, it's it, 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 you, you put layers onto it and that made it more significant. Right. Because funneling questions involves a, you know, initial sequence of inquiry that typically consists of a long line of close-ended questions, which when answered can allow Wes or whoever you're asking more open-ended questions later on. And this is the part of the discovery and people end up putting themselves in real uncomfortable situations, Wes. And I, I can't tell you how many calls that I've listened to in my career. It doesn't take long in a phone call. They put themselves in a situation right from the beginning. There's no control. And they ask a closed-ended question or some stupid shit question. <laughs> and then they're stuck. And they don't know what to do. Once you lose that flow, it's over. I mean, you might as well just hang the fuck up, in my opinion. Because they're never going to view you the same way. Yeah, I would agree to that because... You know, one thing, you know, to add on to it as well is that you have to, you have to frame every question. I, I, I literally will frame every, so I'm, I'm going to tell you exactly why 
I'm going to ask you this question and what it's going to lead to. Or I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm always going to give you a reason about why this question is important. Um, because that's part of me controlling the conversation, right? And because now also when I've asked you this question and you're going to go off on whatever you know answer you're going to give me, that also opens me up to be able to ask the next question, right? Right. So, you know, if I'm going to ask question about money, I'm not just going to go say, hey, how much money do you have? Right. I'm going to say, hey, Mr. Prospect, you know, based off of, you know, how based off of our past experience and people who we have worked with are similar to yourself. We have found that when we truly put in place the right budget, not just for now, but for three, six and nine months from now, it usually tends to have a much better impact and, and it'll allow you to be much more efficient in your process. Now, based off of that, the first qu- I have a series of about three questions that I need to ask you to be able to get this information. Okay, so I want to go ahead and get started with number one. You know, first off, what's your, you know, what's your annual income? And then I'm going to go into it from there, right? And but I frame the question so that I can I can lower the resistance, but also give them the reason on why it's it's bigger than just me looking to know how much money you have. It's it's for a, a benefit that you have down now and in the future, right? So, but that also helps me control because now they expect three questions that are coming, and then by the third one, they've already you know they've answered that third one. I can go into the next one, right? And I'm going to frame the next one, and we're going to go. We're going to keep on, you know, following and I'm going to stay in control. The, the way that you did that was beautifully because you need to get to the point and you're also helping them understand that I want to see where your mind is going to go and how you answer my questions is more important. So that's more of a leading question and framing it, but then asking a leading question. There are typically close-ended lines of questioning that result in the seller upholding the buyer's opinion. Okay. A lot of people don't are not aware of how you structure what it's supposed to sound like. So if you're new to sales or even if you've been in sales a long time, look at it as a refresher and let's test your skill set on this on this episode because probing questions are different. Probing questions, you're digging. Mm-hmm. But I'm a, I have to lead you to that. And just to kind of let everyone know that with leading questions, lawyers use these, but they can't use them in court. If you don't do this ethically, it can hurt the relationship long term. Okay. So you can't use a lot of leading questions, but using probing questions mixed in with leading questions is important. Would you agree? I would. And and mixing all of that in with imagery, right? You want them. Right. Good. Like when I'm saying when I'm saying, hey, you know, three, six, nine, one, I want you to I want you to the the uh, numbers three, six, nine to come into your head. Also I want you to start thinking about numbers, but also I want you to start imagining what your life looks like in three, six, and nine months. Right? I want all those things to start happening so that you can you can get more comfortable and take more ownership over what I'm about to ask you and actually give me the real answer. Right? So there's a lot that goes into your questions. You can't just one. You can't just ask questions without the person really understanding why why you even need this question because that's how you can. I see a lot of people do this, especially one thing I was blessed with is that I was able to come from a financial background where I talked about money all day long because it really helped me understand what triggers people and doesn't trigger people when it comes to asking about money. And the one thing that, you know, going into any question, if especially if it's one that can spike fear or spike a sense of like pride, like money, you need to you need to play it down and also give them a reason on why the answer is more important than the feeling they have towards it. And so, and that can go for any question. It doesn't just have to be about money. It could be their family. It could be their professional life. It could be anything. And so what you're doing is you're positioning in such a way that they have a bigger outcome in mind than just the the question that you're about to ask. Because 
one thing I'll tell all of, and this is part of the expectations, you know, is that what I want you to expect from me, Mr. Prospect, is that I'm not here to judge you in any way. I am here only for the sole reason to see how I can help you move forward. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to make that statement and I'm going to back it up anywhere I need to before any question. And I'll, I'll do it 50 times if I need to. It doesn't matter. I'll say, hey, you know, again, I want to I want to let you know, Mr. Prospect, I'm here when I'm asking you this question. It's not because I'm judging you. Here's why I'm asking you this question, because it's going to do X, Y and Z. And then I'm going to go into it. When you going into it like that, you're disarming them, pretty much getting them to a point to where they're like, OK, I see his point of view. I'll go along with it. And for those who are not comfortable asking direct questions on how much money you make annually. You know, you can ask other questions that lead into that. You can ask more probing questions. So I don't need to ask you that direct question, Wes. I can find out how much money you make, right? And we'll play along for a second. But like, Wes, what do you do for work? And then you'll tell me, right? Like, oh, Mm -hmm. business consultant or whatever. I don't know. Okay, so what did you do prior to that? I'm like, well, I worked at Taco Bell. Okay, so what is your highest level education? (laughs) You know, I'm not using you as an example. I'm just saying, because obviously (laughs) you didn't work at Taco Bell. For those who work at Taco Bell, I'm not talking shit here. Everyone has a different journey. But these type of questions are important. Like, so what is the highest level education that you completed? I'm like, oh, high school. Okay, great. So have you ever thought about going to college? Why did you, why did you not go to college? Did you not choose? Like what? He was like, well, I had a daughter at 17. Okay. That makes a lot more sense. So that's why you had to go put food on the table. What did that type of experience do for you? Do you think? I'm like, oh, did this and this. And now what I'm doing is I'm taking, I'm using these questioning and I'm using this framework of the information I'm getting from that prospect, Wes, and listeners, I'm getting that information and I'll use it later. Doesn't mean I'm not going to address it. I'm going to address that shit but I'm going to use it at the right time. So I assume when you go to work, you have to drive to get to work or do you use public transport? They're like, well, I drive to work. What kind of car you got? Well, I have this car. Okay. What type, what's your assurance for that type of car? If it's a nice car, if it's not a nice car, like what's the highest amount of money that you've ever made before? That's a trick question. Now I'm going to trip them. See, See where I'm going with this, Wes? Questions that I use with people, if I feel that they are uncomfortable talking about money, I will lead into that and probe around it until they finally tell me. And and I'm laughing not to that. I I try to manipulate people. It's not that. It's just that I want to do it in their own terms and make sure that I'm keeping them in a neutral state. And there's one thing that I'm doing right now that I hope the listeners are understanding. I'm not losing control of the conversation. Am I, Wes? No, absolutely. That's, That's the key to it. The key to it is for you to always, because it plays much more than just, you know, you taking control. You taking control is one, you also having the authority. You also being able to constantly build the credibility. And also it helps you in building trust. And they need to view you. Uh, and I'm, I'm just going to say this as an example for people to be able to actually vi- envision it. But they need to be able to look at you in two ways. They need to look at, be able to look up at you from the sense that they, they look up to you or you're someone that can help them but they also need to be able to look straight at you, which means that they can view you as someone that they can trust, right? And so that's that's when you're keeping control of that conversation, you're keeping them on track and managing their expectations and, and emotion. And there's so many, you know, the, the framework in which you go through your sales process, you know, how what questions you ask and how you ask them, 
just it depends and it depends on your field it depends on the type of buyer that you're working with right well, you know how well do they respond to, to certain questions right i know that my analytical buyer is going to be much easier to extract you know annual income and you know i could they could probably break down exactly what their monthly bills look like and all this other stuff for me and that can go into those and that probably excites them to talk about some of those things especially if they take pride in it right right but maybe you have someone who who is doesn't have money and maybe they're embarrassed about their situation you have to understand it. That's the part where emotional intelligence comes in. You have to understand who your person is. And once you understand that, now you can ask the right questions or frame them in such a way to make them feel comfortable. And that's why if I have someone who's embarrassed about their, say, their finances, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to relate. That's my that's my step number one. Mm-hmm. Like, I completely understand. I completely understand where you're coming from. I was there. And I still remember when people would want to, you know, where people would ask me about, you know, how much money I made or what I did for a living. You know, I, I didn't feel good about it. It always stressed me out or it was something that triggered me. Do you feel some, do you feel similar? Yeah. I mean, you know, and you know, what always helped me and I'll, I'll relate what always helped me feel comfortable, but always has helped me feel comfortable talking about money is, is when it mattered to my overall future. Right. You know, are you someone who, if, if I were, you know, if we were talking about, for example, where you can go from here or maybe what you could potentially do, you know, and, and we had to talk about money, how, how comfortable will you feel? I can address that. Right. And, and it's not like I'm going off of the best, you know, I'm not saying it the best right now, but that doesn't matter. The point is that you, you're addressing the fear or the discomfort. You don't have to hide in it. Right. You don't have to try to, you know, uh, you know, make them feel a certain way. And uh, in, in from that sense, you have to just, you know, if you have that buyer in front of you and you know they're uncomfortable, address the, the discomfort. Say, how can I make you feel more comfortable? And that, again, goes back to your positioning and your authority with that person. Timing's everything. Because if you weren't aware of maybe sensing that they weren't comfortable having that type of conversation, and if you come in with the questions, they're completely guarded and shut down. It's over. Nothing's going to penetrate that. I don't give a shit who you are. You're going to have to reestablish communication. You know, I, I even tell, I use breathing techniques with people on the phone, Wes, and I'll say, all right, here's, I'm going to get to a couple deeper questions with you. And I want you to feel comfortable answering these types of questions because this will actually help me a little bit further. When it gets to, you know, blah, 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 I'll put in, you know, the step to the process, whatever that company is. This will help me be able to determine what steps you need to take. Does that make sense? And I'm like, yeah, it does. So, or, or can it, can you take a breath? It was one, two, three, breathe. And I go, <laughs> I need to have them come and bring and changing their emotional state. I'm not trying to get inside their head at all. I just need to make sure that I'm going to get that information. Willingly or whatever, I'm still going to get that information from you. But I would prefer if you are on the same page with me, if that makes sense. Like leading questions usually do that when you're asking probing. But when you're asking leading questions, I'll make a couple of examples. Is that like, sir, please tell me more about what you do for a living and then specifically telling me a little bit more in depth about your day-to-day operations. That's a very direct question, is it not, Wes? But it's leading them to something. They have to know it's leading them, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, you know, another thing too, um, also I, I hear this a lot with you, Chris, is, you know, asking questions like, you know, why do you think or, you know, what what would you say? Right. Those types of mm-hmm. questions. Why Why do you think that you felt this way or what would you say about this type of situation? Right. And then you're kind of and then again, you're leading them towards a specific answer. Right. Also sounds a little condescending. 
if you don't use them right. So be, pay very close attention to how you sprinkle these in because you don't want to give off the impression you already know the answer completely, but you're leading them because you're looking for them to actually say something. So if I said that to them, they'll go, okay, yeah, I do this for a living and I do, this is kind of like what my daily operations look like. So Mr. Prospect, is it right for me to assume that you approach your job every day that you probably dread clocking in? I'm now leading him again because I'm just not telling me the information I want. I'm not getting the right information. I'm like, listen, I'm going to stop beating around the bush with you. Okay. So like, yeah, I kind of dread in. What part about the day do you dread the most, do you think? And I'm going to keep digging. Then I'm like, can you walk me through some of the typical emotions that you experience as you approach your place of business? And we're like, yeah. And then he'll tell me more now. You can't just come in with a list of fucking questions and ask. <laughs> right? Right. This is why I believe that sales has evolved the way it has. And because people, the consumers are smart. They're looking for that type of information because what are they looking for, Wes? Well, they're, they're looking for reassurance. Mm-hmm. Reassurance and they want to validate. Right. That's your job as a salesperson because they don't want to waste their time. Because people will, I'll do my research about companies, Wes, before I think it's appropriate for me to actually invest my time of having a conversation. I'm just being honest. When I'm asking you know, businesses to send me reports before the meeting, I'm not asking them to send me a report so I'm able to be more effective with them completely. No, I'm seeing if it's worth my time. Should I have the conversation or should I send it to someone that is... More, it's it should be more appropriate for them to have the conversation at work underneath me. It's for them for it's to be able to establish more respect, you know, with the buyer. If I came in and asked questions like, "Do you like what you do?" Can you you just pigeonhole yourself? Right. Stop asking that question. No one likes what they do unless it's their purpose. It's aligned with it, and but the questioning will lead you to understanding where they are mentally, spiritually, you know, financially, and I mean, it doesn't matter. Right. These are the questions, and I use a lot of rhetorical questions. The probing questions that kind of lead them in or leading questions. I mean, clarify questions are important or recommendation questions. What kind of input do you have for the listeners for you know how to lead people to having a deeper understanding about your role and what the role is for the company? Yeah, it's, it really goes back to, and I think we're going to keep saying this until our faces turn blue, but it all goes back Probably. to... <laughs> it all goes back to the expectation and the framework in which you have that call. Because here's the thing is my, before I'm going to ask a bunch of questions and, and we mentioned this on previous episodes that I'm looking for the commitment, right? That's what I'm going to look for first is what kind of, are, are, can we get to a mutual agreement to where they're actually committed to the outcome that we're, that we're talking about? And are they committed to the expectations that we've put uh, you know, in place before we even got to the rest of the phone call? If the answer is yes, then it means I've established a certain environment in which now asking more questions is okay, but I'm not just going to assume that throughout the call, I'm gonna come back to the expectations, right? That's my anchor. I'm gonna come back to the expectations to justify certain questions like we've talked about before. But now, you know, getting into you know leading questions, yeah, like you were talking about, Chris, you know, clarifying questions, things along those lines. It's about how you frame them. It's about how you set them up. So remember, you know, Mr. Prospect, in the beginning, I know that we talked about uh, we, th- we talked about the expectation that we're going to be very transparent with each other. So here I'm going to tell you that I want to ask you some questions so that I can get a better understanding 
of what your day-to-day operations really look like. Because this is where I'm able to actually see how I may be able to potentially find gaps that I can help you with. Okay, so now with that being said, my first question is, and then I'm going to go into it, right? So, so, tell, so I'm going to start in, more in general. Tell me b- briefly about your day-to-day operations. How, how does that usually go for you? And then they're going to walk, they're going to tell me. I'm going to pick up on something. Okay, so you mentioned that at three o'clock, you're typically having, you know, a two-hour meeting with your team. Tell me more about that meeting. What's, you know, and maybe, maybe their expectation or what they're trying to solve for is how can they be more efficient, right? I'm picking up on those things. I'm going to ask more clarifying questions, right? So it could be anything. You can do this with any, anything that you're selling, but it goes back to the fact that I set the expectation we got on the same side and now they know I'm here to help them. If you're a car salesman, same thing. Hey, Mr. Client, I know that you typically drive Jeeps. And you seem that that's something that you really like. I'd like to ask you a lot more questions about what you specifically like about that car, because I would like to be able to give you only options that are going to make the most sense for you moving forward so that you can feel good about the potential investment that you're going to make today. Okay. And then I'm going to get into those questions. It's just about how you frame it before you even get started. I mean, and I understand sometimes, especially when you're talking about car sales, as they want to be able to get the information they need to invest their time wisely with that, you know, customer, right? So that's why they usually go to, let me tell you, okay, I'm going to put you in contact with your financial, my financial team to see what kind of car you could qualify for. You know what I mean? And so now they know they kind of kind of pinpoint exactly where they can fit the right, you know, product or service or car for them that's going to actually serve their needs better, right? What do they do? And I'll ask more questions like that. And one thing that I picked, I want everyone to understand what Wes did with some of the questions that he asked, and the one specific question he asked, what are you doing as it gets, what, three o'clock you asked? What are you specifically doing at three o'clock? He took that question and the answer and turned it into an open-ended question. You have to understand how to turn closed-ended questions into open-ended questions. And I'll give you a couple of examples. A closed-ended question would be maybe pertaining to a boss would be like, do you get on well with your boss? That's a closed-ended question. But if I need to get more information from them to conserve time, I'll say, tell me more about your relationship that you have with your boss. See how I asked and turned it in to an open-ended question? Like, or the election's coming up in America, you know, for 2020. Who will you vote for this election, do you think? But then you go into open how you turn that into an open-ended question? You say, what do you think about the two candidates for this election? See how I'm turning it into an open-ended? Or you'll say... That the person walks in my office, I'm like, what color shirt are you wearing? Like, I can't, I don't can't tell what color shirt that is. That's a close ended question. But I can turn and say, that's an interesting colored shirt that you're wearing. And then they'll tell me more. This the whole thing this is about is getting the information you need to do your job better to serve the client. That's your job. You can even frame the question before and you can even set the expectation for after. Right. All right. So, for example, like, hey, Mr. Prospect, I'm going to ask you a few questions about, you know, what you do for a living. And after that, what I'm going to be able to go into then is breaking down what you can start doing moving forward. I'll ask you questions about what you can potentially start doing moving forward to get more efficiency. Right? I know I'm just making something up as an example, but you can, you can frame, you can tell them what they're going to expect before the question, what that question is going to lead to, and what's going to happen after that question, what you're potentially going to ask them. And that's, it goes back to, and it's just, it's funny how it all just goes back to controlling the conversation, mm-hmm. right? And that's what you're doing here is, is you're completely controlling it from every step, you know, and, but you're also allowing them to be able to talk. Now, when you get really good at, at what you do and you understand what you do really well, 
you're not just trying to take over that entire conversation. You want them to talk, but what you're going to do is you're going to keep pinpointing things in what they're telling you to take them to that next question that's going to keep going towards the right outcome. That's why you can't script the call. When you get on there, that person can throw you a complete curveball, right? They can, they can get on, you can be talking to them and they tell you, you know, my, my dog died yesterday. And now you have to take a complete turn. And what a lot of people could do is they could spend the whole time about the dog or you could t- you can ask a few questions about the dog and, un- and help them feel like you understand and you you're sympathizing with them. And then you can ask a simple question of, you know, I know that you just went through this tough time or you're going through this tough time. What do you feel like is your biggest priority right now moving forward? And, you know, what are your top three priorities right now moving forward, just depending on the person you're asking? And then I'm going to bring that conversation right back, you know, with, with to that conversation and getting back to the to the ideal outcome that we're searching for. Right. It doesn't you you can't you have to understand the person, the emotional part of it, but being always always being able to take the curveballs that are being thrown at you and turning them back around to keep moving the conversation forward and framing your questions and also understanding and being empathetic is going to help you get there much faster. I know it keeps going back to this can control. So getting some type of mutual agreements with your prospects. Start thinking about what are some of the questions that you would like to ask and why? And then answer the why question first before you frame that question. What are you really looking for? When if it's revenue related, I say, would you please rank your current state of your business on a scale of one to 10? And one to 10 questions usually work. I don't like to use those a lot because it's putting me into it in a situation where I have to get some type of emotion from them. But when you're going into like, what was your peak revenue time for your business? Do you think? How can you handle budget considerations moving forward? Are you the person that makes these types of decisions? Who answers to them? What type of team do they have? I'm not really looking, I'm beating around the bush, but I'm going to be a little bit more direct in the way that I'm asking the questions and the vocabulary that I'm using. How will this project get funded that we're working on together? Tonality, I think is something that we need to cover soon, Wes. It's not about what I said, it's how I said it. I think that's something that we both do extremely well. And the way that I say things will get the answer I'm looking for, just save time and also make the right impact that I need to make with them. You know, are you responsible for establishing the budget? So what are some things that I need to do, Wes, to be able to give you the tools needed for you to make the right decisions moving forward? And now I'm going to see where they're at, right? I'm engaged now. Where are they at? Do you already have a budget in front of you, kind of like in your own idea of what a budget looks like? What is the right investment for you? Outside their comfort zone, do you have any big plans for the weekend? Right. Like, what do you normally what do you normally do on a weekend? Why am I asking that question, Wes, about comfort zone? You're, you're trying to you're trying to gauge where they're most comfortable in, mm-hmm. right? And because you, understanding where their comfort zone is will allow you to be able to know where you can take them, also where you can't take them, and and then also where you need to lead them, right? So how, because comfort zone can be changed very easily, right? Depending on the wants, needs, and desires of that person, right? If you want something really bad, like if you want a million dollars really bad, and I told you that all you have to do is go jump out of that airplane, and you've never jumped on an airplane in your life, and, and you, you swore you would never do it, and you want that million dollars, you'll jump out of the airplane. Understanding the person's comfort zone also will help you tie in the desire and the need to be able to also break them out of that comfort zone. If it's too much for them to move forward, you need to make that right recommendation that it's it's too much. 
And that's where your moral obligation comes in. And I know that I say that a lot on these podcasts because I, I believe that into my core is that I'm not going to recommend something for someone that I feel that that's not going to help them. I do discover this a lot in sales, especially with companies that I train. Some of their prospects that they're working with, you know, could be investing into a hundred or two hundred k type of investment for them, put them in a real tough financial situation that can make or break them. You don't want to do that, so you need to make sure that you're qualifying and you're recommending the right people for the right things with your products and services. And this is where, you know, of course, you know, you can make an argument where marketing comes into play. You know, marketers should be marketing in a way of getting the right people in front of the right salespeople. And that's where a lot of the, you see a lot of companies right now with lead generation businesses saying that they're the social media gurus. And Wes, you own a social media company that does extremely well. And I'll give you an opportunity to kind of talk about that in a second. But a lot of people don't understand what they're paying for. Can you walk them through that type of marketing? I mean, when it comes to some of the questions that salespeople deal with, I know this is kind of off topic, but it kind of aligns with it, I think. Yeah, if if um, well, I'll go actually through an example of how we usually set someone up, you know, through through my company. And so, what we're looking for is we're looking to align the marketing with the sales process, meaning that the qualification disqualification process starts from the beginning, and it it doesn't just start through. You know, people can say, you know, you ask the right, or you have a list of questions, or you have forms you have them fill out, you have things, that, you know, all that's great, but it also goes with the message. Right. The, so when you when you're putting together, for example, a video sales letter or uh, just any kind of sales page, any kind of sales letter, you're speaking to a very specific audience, and in that you are gonna you're gonna speak to what that is, what this is, and what this is not. Who the right person? Who's who the who the right person is not? You know who isn't the right person? It all starts with the from the marketing aspect. What you're looking to do is you're looking to get the most value, you know, with the people that you are bringing in. A lot of people look for quantity, right? They want a million leads coming through the pipeline. Well, if those million leads are coming through the pipeline and, and what they're doing is all they're doing is they're wasting your salespeople's time, then you're not allowing a process where you can be efficient and optimize. So we're looking for optimization right from the beginning. And so we're asking the right questions. We are having them fill out certain forms. Those are, that's the type of lead generation that we're doing. And then from there, after they go through a few qualifying steps, we then match it with the sales process. So now that person comes into the sales pipeline, at that point, what can we do to ensure that you know we're we're having that another level of qualification, depending on what that product or service is or what's needed by the salesperson? If it goes straight to a phone call, great, that's where we are, right? If that qualification step is maybe like a lower level salesperson that leads to a higher level salesperson, great, we send them straight to that person. If we need to add in a few more things like questionnaires and other videos and things along those lines to just put that extra layer, you know that's what we're looking to do because we're looking to have as but doing all those doing all of that what will help you do eventually is target the exact type of people that you're looking for because you're breaking down demographics and so and then you can you're repeating the cycle and then you're optimizing on your campaign so when we're typically bringing someone in um, for anything it could be anything from social media advertising to google pay-per-click or bing pay-per-click whichever uh, we're going to typically first align our marketing strategy with the sales process so that it's it's efficient. I can't tell you how many companies, and this makes me sick. I can't tell you how many companies I see to where they'll put out BS messages or video sales letters of something that that person is going to get. And when they get to the actual salesperson, it's nothing like what they expected. Um, and it's- Well, that's why I made that point. Right. 
is that for some of the listeners out there, not to talk over you, but some of the listeners out there, we're giving them the tools that they need right now to figure out that that maybe the clients that they're working with is not going to really help them. Do you see what I'm saying? And it, it, you know how it is. I mean, it, it doesn't... I believe that there's never a bad lead. There's only bad marketing that leads to how that lead comes to you. Right. Where I'm kind of going with this is that I do ask a lot of questions up front with the client, the initial contact, is I'll say, Mr. or Mrs. Prospect, what led you to making you know this type of investment or inquiring about you know our business? I'm not asking that question to see how they did. I want to know. I'm I'm actually trying to get that information to be able to go to my marketing team and say, stop marketing to these clowns. Right. They they need to market. You need to be marketing to people that are going to get this outcome. And this is where you can make a lot of huge impact, salespeople or listeners. If you're just a salesperson and there's nothing wrong with that, you can make a shit ton of money working for somebody else. You don't need to always be an entrepreneur. I will tell you this. I've seen a lot of people that work for major corporations in sales and make more money than I would say 90% of the people that own businesses. Okay. So sales, in my opinion, is the one industry that you can make a shit ton of money and enjoy what you do and be happy. But if you're a salesperson right now and you're thinking, okay, how can I make more of an impact in your role? Is asking more qualifying questions up front with your, you know, in the initial contact with your prospective buyers. It's that way you're able to go back and collaborate with your marketing team. That's where I made my mark. And that's where I started going into, you know, opened my mind and triggered my mind into entrepreneurship, Wes, to be honest with you. I don't know what led you to doing something in, in entrepreneurship and what actually pushed you. I know personally, but I'm not going to bait you. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that that's and one, of, one of the reasons why I wanted, you know, I started a marketing company is because of what we're talking about right now. You know, if, if you're a salesperson, you don't want to receive leads where people, you know, ideal I marketing, let's just talk about that for a second. If you're a company, if you're someone who has a major influence in marketing for your company, what you really need to, what you need to look at is how are you, how is your salesperson, the first initial contact, how is that person being positioned, right? The only time that a salesperson is not positioned should be if they're making a cold call. So that person has no idea that they're actually even receiving this. But if it's anything, you know, after that, that person should be positioned and that should come with your marketing, right? So when when you're putting sales letters or sales videos out there, whatever it is, it should be speaking to the expertise of the salesperson that, that they're going to be talking to, what type of things that they're going to be talking about and asking those questions. You're breaking, you can break through some of those objections coming through right to your marketing and then qualify from there and then reassess. Right, so you do have measures in place throughout your sales process where you're finding out more about the client. Some of the best campaigns I've ever ran came from you know years of collected client information, not just client information, but specifically questionnaires that we've had to where they they talked about the exact interests, wants, needs, desires of that person, and we we're able to break down the exact client that we thought was an ideal client. I made a video about this the other day, talking about how do you find your ideal client, and one of them through is go back through your database find the people that you like to work with. And if you don't have a process in place where you've collected the information you need from a marketing standpoint, go back and contact those people and ask them all of those questions, what their interests are, goals, desires, wants, needs, and everything from who they are to their if they're married, if they have children, whatever. Ask anything and everything you can possibly ask because you can go back and target those specific type of people. Thank you for that. And I, and I hope the listeners understand completely on why we're going there with you know, some of the framework and not putting yourself in a, in a pigeonhole as a salesperson. 
this information that Wes just went over is is essential, in my opinion, as a salesperson, is knowing where the leads are coming from and what to do with them during your sales process. Then you can start aligning the stages and having a well-defined sales process. But you don't want to lose your prospective buyers because there's nothing worse than having prospective buyer come to you and not really understand what your business is about. And that's where you have an opportunity to grow in your career is being able to explain it in a way that's leading them to the outcome that you're looking for and seeing if they're going to be the right fit with qualifying. I don't ask a lot of stupid questions, but I will ask a lot of baiting questions. What's the difference in that, do you think? How can you explain that with the listeners? A a baiting question is, well, usually a baiting question is something you already know the answer to. Right. And and I know we talk a lot about you. Oracle. <laughs> you only you only ask questions you know the answer to, but you're baiting them because why? It's gonna set you up to be able to one, it's usually you're gonna have a one up. Um and I, I hate to say it that way, but you kinda have a one up on them. But two, it, it's also you it, it allows you to be able to lead them into the the next question or the next outcome or recommendation or whatever it is that you were looking for. Or it could be to call them out on something. Right. So if you if you said something before and I know you're bullshitting me. And then if I come back, I'm going to bait you back into actually, I'm going to frame something in a certain way to where you actually give me the real answer so that I can indirectly call you out on what you said before so we can get into a real conversation. So there's a lot of layers to it. Right. There's a lot. I mean, the, the layers to that and, and asking a rhetorical, baiting or a rhetorical question, a lot of public speakers often use rhetorical questions in the middle of speeches. Of course, they the audience can't answer. But the intention is to engage them into thinking and consider what the answer would give them. Does that make sense? Right. And I use these questions. I'm trying to trigger something with the prospect to get them to think, you know, about why I'm asking that question. And sometimes I'm even bold enough, Wes, and say it like the reason why I ask you that question is I wanted to give you a more understanding about X, Y, Z. Does that make more sense to you? And then they'll, yeah, now I'm going to get deeper. Right. It's just going to help me get more engagement. And so if a lot of you out there are having problem with making a, a smooth transition, you know, there's a lot that comes with sales. I mean, sales is a very complex thing, but it doesn't need to be. If you know, if you can actually have the emotional intelligence to understand if the person is engaged with you, right? In the conversation, there's nothing worse than getting on a call with us and, it, someone goes and gives you one word answers all the way through and yeses you off the phone. I'm like, if you didn't want them on the phone so bad, just hang up, man. Why are you accepting that type of answer? Like you're asking a what, when, why question. Are you still saying, I don't know, or a short phrase? You're not doing your job. Mr. Prospect, based off the information that you're sharing or lack thereof, to be honest with you, I don't know how I can help you. What can you tell me that would change that statement to being positive. And then I'll wait. And for those who are listening to this, I'm not a hard ass. I'm just strict when it comes to my time. And I'm, and I'm very selective with people that I do sell. And I don't sell them. I lead them to make a decision. And leading them to make a decision, sometimes in sales, when I'm going through that process, I understand, Wes, what their limiting belief is. And I try to educate them on being able to use some of the suggestions or recommendations that I have used in my life to be able to 
maybe in myself personally or in you know other situations with other clients i use examples right to diffuse the the conversation or i'll i'll try to disarm them by making an example of of someone that i worked with in the past that had a similar situation i mean have you used something like that before maybe an analogy or someone else as an example for them to see a, your point of view oh yeah i mean my calls are usually filled with a lot of analogies and uh, and story. Yeah, you have to be a storyteller, right? And right. so if I know there's a if a person's struggling with the with a certain thing or I know they feel a certain way, uh, and if I come at them straight, it's going to cause a conflict. Right? They're going to shut down. I don't want them to shut down. So what I'm going to do is one I'm going to praise them, and it depends on the person, but usually I'm going to give a level of praise to for example, the kind of mindset that they have. You know, Mr. Prospect, based off of what you're telling me, I mean, you're, you're really speaking my language. I feel like I can really understand where you're coming from. And, you know, I feel like we're really connecting. And, and, and that's usually the kind of expectation I look to have with my clients. I mean, I've had people in the past, I'll tell you about, um, you know, one of my previous uh, potential clients, we didn't end up actually working together, but, you know, what they were looking from me, and then I'm going to go into the exact thing that I don't want this guy to do, right? The, you know, or the exact way I don't want this guy to think, right? So if, if that person has a limiting belief and, they think terribly about money. I'm going to tell a story about a guy that, you know, was thinking terribly about money and where that led for them, right? Versus other people who I worked with who have, you know, really dealt with it and, and pushed past that limiting belief and how far they've gotten, right? So I'm going to use the stories and analogies so that they can relate for, relate themselves because they're not going to want to come and tell me, well, yeah, no, Wes, this is how I feel about money too. Well, then I'm going to take about, you can't stop there. Then what I'm going to take it from there is educating them. And this is from, you know, what you said, Chris, educating them on why that is so important, right? And then we're going to move forward because now I want them to focus not on what it is, but what it could be. And I'm going to push forward from there. Mm -hmm. If you have a phone call like this and you expose a lot of information, you can literally get on the next call and say like five words. Gauge where they're at and then be able to pace and then lead with the pace that you establish on a phone call making that transition. Your money call or a closing call where you're putting them into a situation where they're going to have to make a decision with your product or service could last two to three minutes. You can reserve the next 12 minutes that you have scheduled or however long your meeting is with painting the picture of what them what they're going to experience in the next step. And that's what we're all looking for. People don't really want to buy something and not know exactly what to expect. And they think that they need to sell the fucking product all day long, Wes. You can't sell the product. Like get away from this product because products and systems change and evolve. And as we're speaking on this episode, everything in the world is changing. Everything. Nothing stays the same. Right. Nothing. Right. And it never will. Every second goes by, you're getting older. It's a hard <laughs> thing to realize. You're never going to be as young as you are right now. Yeah. You could change your financial wealth. You could change your, you know, the way that you feel about your life or self. And if you're listening to this and you really want to make an impact in sales or in negotiation or in business or whatever you're listening to this for, you need to make a decision. And what's important for you, what's important for me is making more of an impact with my clients. That's the most important thing. And this is the things that I think about, Wes, when I'm going through my critical thinking and I'm writing down you know, some of the things that are jumping out to me and what I want to accomplish when I'm establishing my goals. I don't really want... okay. When you start an entrepreneurship, you can't have a business if it's not profitable, right? <laughs> you right. can't. You're not going to be in business long. Then it, goals have obviously changed because my financial wealth went up through the roof. 
okay, so now what I'm thinking about is, hey, how do I make more of an impact with people that can serve their needs better rather than just making money? So if you're listening to this and you're in sales, these are the questions you should be asking yourself. How can I make more of an impact with me being able to get more return on investment with your time? And it's really easy. Doing group calls is important because now that changes the whole situation. I've went from having really in-depth phone calls to then realizing that I needed to make more I needed to have more time to work with more students or more clients because I was selling and I was enrolling more students or I was making more money, but I didn't have the time to be able to spend with each one. So what do I do? I cut all my times down for calls to having one long opening call where I established set expectations, you know, got all the information that I needed to do. And then we went to group stuff and I pulled them to the side when they're ready to make the investment, you know, but you have to do what's best for you during your sales process and what's best for the client at all times. I mean, what kind of advice would you give someone that could be making that shift and maybe looking to conserve more time? Yeah. One, you have to look at, um, and, and I, I don't mean to go off on a tangent here, but I think I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent, but one, um, no, it's all good. <laughs> well, you know, one thing is you need to audit your time. What are you spending the most time on that doesn't, that doesn't directly correlate with, you know, the, the, the sale happening, right? So what are the, what are the things that you have to do to make the sale? It usually means you have to talk to somebody, right? You have to follow up, you have to do all of those things. You have to document and all of that. Right. And then you get to a point where you're having that conversation, collecting payments, and doing all that, where where in that can you cut out, right? So could you could you talk to more clients at one time, right? Does your type of industry allow for that? Great. Can you get someone else to do your documentation? Great. You know, could you get someone else to take your payments for you, right? Or follow up on those? Send your follow up emails or text messages or whatever. You want to look at where you can, or can there is there softwares that allow you to do things a bit more efficiently and more automatically, and that's where you you know the. We live in a time right now, the sales, the whole sales platform, the whole sales industry has changed with the times that we live in. And, you know, coincidentally, we did get into the marketing conversation. But when you talk about sales now, you, you can't not talk about marketing anymore because there's so much more control with the clients, you know, with, with the prospects that you're speaking with. You can't just be the, the, you know, doing the same thing that people did 20 years ago anymore because one, generations have changed. So you need to understand what, how is that, how is the person that you are targeting going to understand, right? If, if maybe you're dealing with millennials, how do they communicate, right? What kind of things, I mean, you go to, to apps right now like TikTok and all that, and you, you'll see the crazy stuff that's going on today, right? So how do they need to, what do they need to see to be able to make a, a decision? You know, what's the difference between that and, and the 70 year old, right? So you need to understand the layers of, of people that you're dealing with and the generations that you're dealing with and how you can communicate, you know, with them. As far as your sales process, that you can make as efficient as possible. Focus your efforts on the impact that you can make. What's more most impactful with what you do? And then everything else, outsource it. Give it to someone else, give it to systems, people, wherever you can, you know, and then um, and then you just focus all of your that's like for me, um, even just when I was doing online sales for a while. Um, I got down to about two hours a day. I was working about 10 hours a week and, and making a five, five figures a month, right? Why? Because I was giving, it's not that I was technically, my team was working like 90 hours a week, but 
that's because I outsourced so many things and I was doing what I'm good at, which is talking to the clients. Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, I got into group calls and things like that as well. But I was, I was making the most out of my time and what makes me good. Right. And, and, and you say this a lot, Chris, you know, stay within your stroke of genius. And if that's talking to people, great. Outsource the rest. Right. I mean, cause you don't want to waste times on things that you hate. I mean, for I'm going to be completely honest with the, you know, with the listeners, the reason why that I have the businesses that I do own is just because I couldn't do everything myself anymore. Right. I mean, I was happy selling for companies, Wes. I was happy. I was making a shit ton of money. I was producing seven figure income every month revenue for that company, you know, of course, commissions and everything else. But then I started hiring and outsourcing people and I gave them a purpose on that team. And, and this is where... And then when that idea went to is, okay, well, shit, I can just do this on my own. And then that goes to, you know, making an impact now with, you know, me honing in my craft, right? And me working on myself as hard as I was as a CEO. And I'm going to, for the entrepreneurs out there, your only job is to be able to put yourself in a situation where everyone is winning. If you can do successfully do that every day, you will win doesn't mean if you're going to make money that day or not, money will come. Guys, salespeople listening to this, money will always come. You just need the right vehicle. And I know that we, we I say this a lot. Everyone in this world has different tendencies and we have, we're born with different genetic proclivities and everyone's going to go into different areas is how is actually having the courage and the confidence to going the way things are going right now for me personally in my career, shit's not working. You need to make that decision. Like, so what do you need to change? Some people need to, they need to change, uh, you know, a multitude of things, Wes. <laughs> they need to change a lot of shit. But the first thing you need to make to change is putting positive things in your life that only positive and not negative. I guess in closing, I mean, I hope you guys that you know, got a lot of value from the things that, you know, Wes and I discussed today. We look forward to being with you on the next episode of the Win Win Effect podcast. Fill out the feedback form in the description box or join us in any one of our pre-placement courses. So as always, ask yourself, how can you get a little bit better each day? That 1%. Keep moving, keep growing, keep learning. Let's go with our day. Take care. Thank you for taking your time and listening to today's podcast of The Win-Win Effect. As a thank you for listening and tuning in, Chris is rewarding you with a placement course webinar with his team to point you in the right direction to massive success. In success, it's all about living a better quality of life. So at the very least, subscribe to the Win-Win Effect podcast so you don't miss the next episode. Feel free to share on your social media or simply tell a friend about it. Also, please rate and review the podcast. To find the free webinar and more information, please visit tcrconsultingagency.com.